1: full-time at outreach and then freelancing maybe 15 20 hours a week i was making more freelancing than i was in-house at outreach as a part-time freelancer which kind of came into the decision of jumping back into doing your own thing like money wasn't the only factor but i'd be lying if i said it wasn't a factor
2: i had like three months of freelancing experience before hopping in One of the things being like it throws you into learning how to run your own business. So you're not just executing on the work. You're thinking about creating a great experience for your client.
0: What do brands like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, Vital Proteins, and Blendjet all have in common? Retention.com is their highest performing ROAS channel by far. Visit retention.com to book a demo today what's up everybody i've got two people on the podcast today i'm lucky to have sam and brooklyn today some of the best content marketers i know so i'm excited to chat i want to first ask both of you how did you get into marketing
2: yeah so i'm sam one of uh beam's co-founders the intro story like i got into b2b SaaS in 2019 working at outreach So I'm practically a COVID baby, but I got in like a little bit before. I was a growth associate, so mostly like focused on social media, but I got to move through to podcast production, newsletter writing, managing the blog, webinar program, like at different points. So Outreach was my introduction to marketing, and that's also where I met Brooklyn Um, about a year after starting at Outreach. um, I was his first direct report. That was a lot of fun
1: yeah my journey sounds a lot more accidental it was entirely accidental i was i started freelancing way back when i guess almost a decade ago almost by necessity we were living abroad and couldn't have in-person jobs or a typical job so i just kind of found anything and everything online gig wise um so for the first few years i was doing product descriptions we worked with appin on like social media moderation it's just all over the map And then, so I got into marketing and specifically B2B SaaS marketing by way of being a general freelancer. So about five years ago, started working with more B2B SaaS clients and more on specifically marketing projects. And then it's just kind of been a a transition and evolution from that.
0: Yeah, the topic I wanted to go down is because I think each of you have had at least one or two of these roles, but I want to first ask: What is it like to be work in content as an in-house marker, like in outreach, versus you being a freelancer creating content, versus now that you have an agency creating for brands? What are the differences? What is it? What are the pros and cons? We can go down the list of each one of those.
2: I loved my in-house experience being my first experience in marketing because like you really learn how the business works, like how roles on a marketing team interact with each other, like how it interacts with other departments. Um, and then specifically with content, you get to see like how your content supports other functions of the business, how, you know, at outreach, it was how it supports community and vice versa. Um, and so, I think if you're in a content agency first, like if I'm just imagining, it would be more difficult maybe to see like what the impact of content has on all functions of the business. So that was getting to learn how the business works from the in-house perspective, I thought was really valuable. And I, I got to wear a lot of hats in a way that maybe when I experience at an agency, like I kind of talked about starting in social media, but then you get to move and you know, work on podcasts or newsletters or the webinar program and just see um, what each of those things means and how they run.
1: I think it's a great idea for a lot of freelancers to take some time in-house. I think like Sam said, you just learn so much more about what goes into any marketing function by being in-house and working with the product marketers and demand gen and field marketing and sometimes sales you just kind of get the whole ecosystem in a way that you can't really if you're a freelancer focused on a particular project so i learned a ton i was in-house just for two years at two different startups <laughs> and then jumped so i was freelancing in-house for two years and then jumped into the agency with my wife and with, with sam so that's based off of those limited two years but i agree with what sam was saying
0: for the in-house we'll, we'll keep going down this road do you think that it's more beneficial to learn in-house at a, a startup environment where you can see those different things because I feel like at a bigger company being just a cog in the content wheel you probably only see a portion of like a portion of what the content's going out which means you don't work with as many teams as you want you probably work with a specific function so as a freelancer or working with bigger companies, have you seen the difference? So it's like working with in-house startup content marketers versus like a bigger orgs content.
1: I think you just learn different things. So my first role, I was the only marketer, so it was that typical marketer of many hats role, which is really cool because you just kind of have to learn things on the fly and jump into figuring out how to make it work. So I was, you know, doing customer stuff on intercom. I was putting together SEO content. It was picking up what social looks like for brand awareness, just like the opportunity to jump into a lot of different things. But then at, at outreach, it was, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be a super large company. I think it was about 700 when I joined and maybe a thousand when I left. Um, but the marketing team was still relatively small. There were like a couple dozen of us when I joined and then less than 35 by the time I left. And in that role, we really did get to interface with a lot of those different marketing functions. So I think at a company up to, you know, even a thousand people, in all likelihood, the marketing team is a small sliver of that. I think that's most often the case. Um, So you might be surprised at how often you get to interact and learn from and then collaborate with different marketing functions.
0: I want to go down also the freelance route now. So... Since you you've been an in house and freelancer, what are like the pros and cons of both in house and freelancer, and what do you recommend to people if they want to take each route? For me,
1: I think the big two big pros. and These are very pragmatic, so I'm trying not to get too philosophical here. One, you <laughs> uh, you get to focus on what you like. I think a lot of the most successful freelancers I've seen. Focus in on a particular element of marketing. Like I can help you form fantastic ICP and messaging and all of that based off of customer interviews. Or I can take your SEO to the next level. Or I can make your social super engaging. So you just get to focus on what's really interesting and fun to you. And then number two, the the elephant in the room is you can make a lot more money as a freelancer often (laughs) as you gain experience and. Uh, up your prices and focus on the right types of clients, you know, or we don't have to go into specific numbers, but even when I was freelancing part-time while at outreach, I was full-time at outreach and then freelancing, maybe 15, 20 hours a week, I was making more freelancing than I was in-house at outreach as a part-time freelancer, which kind of came into the decision of jumping back into doing your own thing. Like money wasn't the only factor, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a factor, <laughs>
2: jumping into ways that freelancing helps me jumping into beam and launching beam so for context I had like three months of freelancing experience before hopping in and one of the things being like it throws you into learning how to run your own business so you're not just executing on the work you're thinking about creating a great experience for your client I didn't think about it in that frame of mind when I was at outreach. So like how you package the work, delivering it on time, checking in, responding, it's similar, but it's different because your, your own, you know, customer success, finance, you have to send invoices, uh, legal, all of that. (laughs) And then the second thing being, um, it does, I feel like teach you about your own capacity. So like how to balance your priorities, deliver work on time, create boundaries for yourself. And I say that as I was like trying to freelance with three clients on top of my work at Outreach. (laughs) So like, uh, yeah, in a way, like a a company shields you from some of those things. But with freelancing, like it's your reputation on the line. You're running your own business. And I feel like that was helpful jumping in with Brooklyn and Becca because that was their background so having a little bit of that and you know applying it to like okay how do we how do we scale this how do we make it bigger those are my two thoughts
0: the biggest risk I think of going freelance and this is probably what most people are thinking is one like I have to get my own clients and to make my own money that's one and two like I hear this from probably 80% of people who wanted to jump and do their own thing is the benefits, the healthcare, what these companies provide you. So what do you recommend for someone? Because you said for 20 hours a week, you were making more than you were in Outreach. So then probably if you went full-time, you could double, triple what you were even making Outreach. So what do you recommend for someone who wants to take that leap into starting to do their own thing or starting to freelance? If they, let's say they have bigger goals than or they have monetary needs that they need to do it
1: well i think first off and maybe this is course correcting what i was saying i I don't think freelancing is the right path for everybody i mean there's tons and tons of people who have very successful full-time job and form a career out of that and get a lot of enjoyment out of that so i'm not at all saying like this would be the right path i think in general it's a good idea I think people underestimate two things. One, I think they underestimate how much they can make as a freelancer, especially if they have solid marketing experience and it's more about leveraging that experience for their clients. But then I think on the flip side, like you and Sam were saying, I think folks tend to underestimate how much time and energy goes into the non-creative work, you know, sending scopes of work, uh, having those client relationship management tasks, setting up, Uh, benefits in healthcare figuring out how to pay for that so in general my recommendation if somebody's looking at freelancing is to not jump in with both feet it's to dip your toe in the water find one client that you know you can work on interesting projects with and see how that goes if you like it you get great feedback you made a good chunk of money from it and then add another client or do run that project again with a different client uh, just to prove out Kind of what the business model can look like for you and then once you have that validation over the course of i don't know anywhere from six to 18 months and you're still feeling solid about it then you could make that full-time jump and yeah things like healthcare and all that add up but i mean you can do the math on what your total comp is in a full-time role including healthcare so if you're able to replace that and feel more satisfaction from your work or get more excited about that then why not go for it
0: i think the one of the best things you said is i even recommend this to people in full-time roles that want to just learn is take a cut one or two clients to just like refresh a marketing because i think you learn so much because a lot of people think it's experience is yours worked but usually a lot of times experience is also like seeing different situations, seeing different how companies work seeing how different content team work experience doesn't have to be like because that's why like the argument of job hopper or not when i hear people saying it, it's like a lot of job hoppers have seen a lot of different business models a lot of different operations a lot of different process so they can add something way different than someone who's knows the company that for 10 years who's been in that company to do so so like so experience comes in different forms one question i also want to have for you is If you were doing it all over again, would you go into a full time role, then take freelance roles, and then go into the agency, or would you have done the same exact path as you're doing now? For both of you, how would you like rethought this as a marketer?
2: I really enjoyed my in house experience first because, as even my first like marketing role, I mean, I had done social media and some stuff like that. But like first B2B SaaS marketing role, I felt like I could learn so many things. One big thing, like you have to have a great boss. I think somebody who's willing to like teach you, gives you flexibility, pushes you to be the best. And so I I felt like I got to learn a lot of things Mm -hmm. that maybe I would have been more narrow if I had gone to an agency first like maybe I would have been a writer or I would have been I would have been delivering on specific kind of work versus getting to see the full range of things and then with freelancing I mean one of the things somebody told me like if you're working nine to five and you're adding on a client yes you really need to enjoy this work like it needs to be interesting work that you're going to be excited to get up and do at 6 a.m if you're starting your, you know, your role at nine and you also need to be paid something you think is worth like those early morning hours of your time or your weekend time. So I was able to jump into it because I had learned skills that I could use in freelancing from being at the in-house role. So I, I like found what I really liked because I got to wear all of those hats. Like I love social media. I could do this for some other people clients and and try it out in maybe some different industries even but then I, I liked being able to jump into it slowly but in a way that made it worth it to me like you you gotta which is kind of something like make sure it's interesting work and then yeah jumping into an agency agency life I think everything I've done up to this point has helped me
1: This is going to be super helpful for the listeners because we're just going to cancel each other out because I also wouldn't change starting as a freelancer and then moving in-house. I think the biggest benefit, especially from the first few years, is showing what's possible in work rather than jumping into an in-house role and thinking, okay, it's a nine to five job for the next 30 plus years. It just kind of like gave me and my wife this different mindset towards work and the, the flexibility that you can build for yourself. I say that as we've taken off, like bitten off way too much again and again the last few years. But ultimately, we are trying to build towards that flexibility long term where we don't, we get to work, but don't have to work. Right. And I think that mindset shift came early on because I started freelancing. I will say I wish I had started in B2B tech as a freelancer rather than jumping around all kinds of stuff the first few years. I think I learned a lot, but I also think was a little bit underpaid and it wasn't as interesting like once it started focusing on SaaS companies it, it just for some reason for me it just was a lot more interesting work and then last thing i'll say just because it kind of touches on what you said daniel earlier and sam you at the end is nothing has to be forever you can treat things as an experiment for six months a year two years like we worked you know 60 plus hour weeks for a couple of years during the pandemic because what else are you going to do during the pandemic and it set us up for a lot of these things but that wasn't going to be for that was never going to be forever it but it set us up to a point where we could i could jump out of the in-house role and start something with becca and the sam and have fun doing it so just you can run experiments and treat things as chapters as you're building towards something longer term
0: one good point you've also made is that at least like early in your career, you could take those risks, work those longer hours because you don't have, is it, you know how much you're making, like you have less responsibilities, you have less things to think about. So you can go into a freelance role and then you'd be like, oh, shoot, I don't like freelance and go back or work in a role. So I think you have that flexibility. Like, I mean, I've job hopped like three or four times, but that's because- I've had the same experience like I either felt bored in the role I was in or I wanted to try something new or I wanted to see how a different company worked or I wasn't getting satisfaction. Now in my career it's more like I just want to feel like work at places where I'm I just love working whether it's like by myself which I do stuff on my on the side or stuff and that's the same thing as a creator too like I think being a creator is the same thing as what you're talking about is like if you want to be a creator, start off slow by yourself. And then if you really, once you've like got a couple of deals and you've got a couple of things, then you could be like, oh, I can consider doing more and more by yourself. I want to go into the agency side now, though. So you, we've talked about freelancing. We've talked about in-house. What is it like as an agency? What's different? Um, what do you like about it? What, uh, what don't you like about it?
1: The caveat here is we owned, like we co-founded the agency. So this will be a little bit different than what it's like to work for an agency. That said, we've been able to talk with a lot of folks who are coming from agencies, especially as we get uh, ready to make our next hire. And that's one of the questions I ask is, I'm like, not to shoot myself in the foot, but I know agencies sometimes can get a bad rap between like long working hours, high pressure, lower pay compared to some in-house roles. Like, What is it about working in an agency that seems appealing and then what are sort of what's some trepidation you have around that and i think what came up time and again is a focus on the creative work because it's so focused project focused for clients rather than all the red tape and bureaucracy and project management and people's stuff that you deal with when you're in an in-house role and i've seen that with i mean as we grow our team that was a big reason for me wanting to leave a, a full time role. Is I just wanted to focus more on the creative work and spend more time there, rather than the meetings and preparing for meetings and the getting buy in from senior leadership and all of the, those pieces, right?
0: I think people underestimate, especially when you start getting into manager levels or senior manager levels, like how much time is spent in meetings with other managers or your direct reports or in team meetings. To be honest, like, you have to find extra hours to actually do your work because 75% of the time is spent in these meetings that could have been an email or could have been, like, you didn't have to attend, but they put you on the invite. So I totally get that side of things.
1: And it just, I mean, comes down, this is going to sound super cliche, but, like, coming down to being honest about what you want in your career because some people love being people managers and that if the more they go up the more time they're spending managing their direct reports right others don't want to be people managers at all and there's people who have been in their you know engineering career or marketing career or what have you for 20 plus years and aren't managing people but have that level of expertise because they've spent so long in it and it's just what they like doing.
0: One thing I want to go into because I think this will give like the basis of like what you believe in marketing. What for both of you, what is a marketing kill you would both die on? You got to go first. that That we'd
1: both die on. I think we've agreed on pretty much everything except TikTok, but even TikTok, Sam brought me around eventually. To me, it's the conflation of seo and content marketing i think a lot of people some content marketers included hear content marketing and think seo but it's not seo is not content marketing it's a tactic for a specific channel for your content it is not the end-all be-all of content marketing In a lot of cases seo makes sense for what you're building and for your site. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't make sense to to prioritize SEO over other
0: channels. I love that one, because I, I, I believe SEO is just a distribution channel. Like that's all it is for content. So it would be one, to A lot of people think it is content, which I love that take, because I think a lot of times I'm like, I'm, I want to hire a content marketer and they're like, so you want them to have a lot of SEO experience? I'm so like, no, I want someone who understands how to write Good content, what good content is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: I love that. I'm not coming up with a great one on the spot here, but this might be more just influence from what I see people doing wrong. Like social is not a great reflection of the other content that people are putting out. So, you know, I just, I've seen a lot of content marketers sitting on incredible content. Not doing anything with it, whether that's a podcast or a newsletter or a cool series that they're running. And it's not getting distributed across channels. And, you know, that's a hill most people recognize. But, all right. But they
0: stop at the base. They don't go to the top and die on it either. (laughs) I just remember just even thinking, because I've worked with some clients on like social stuff every time i want to repurpose something they always want something new they don't want anything repurposed so like they'll be like i'm like let's take this piece of content and repurpose it because it did well and they're like no i want a new piece of content i'm like that this why why can we put stuff that was performed like two months ago and try it again why does it need to be brand new piece of content it's crazy
1: quick shout out to justin simon who we worked with when he was at metadata but he's doing doing his own thing now and it's, he's all in on content repurposing and i love all of his takes so go check him out and if you want to do repurposing stuff he works on that
0: <laughs> starting your career over today or if someone came to you right now and asked for advice what's an advice you would give to a young marketer that they'll come back to you let's say two years down the road and thank you for
2: you don't need experience to get into it. And a lot of people like hold themselves back probably early on from even, take you know, applying for a role that they might think they're not fit for. Like my job at Outreach ha- started with a LinkedIn post that I saw from Max Altschuler and putting together some things that I thought would be interesting and, you know, sending a LinkedIn message But I had no marketing experience or B2B SaaS um, experience, let alone. So I think that you can go for it. (laughs) And you just have to be creative because it is hard to stand out. You know, you can't just send over your resume, whether it's like building a landing page or like, hey, I noticed this could be improved. I improved it for you. Check it out. Like I want to work with me, here's what it would look like to work with me. You can prove that out, I think, without having the experience and people will see that you have the drive to figure it out even if you've not actually done that thing before.
1: I think it's it's say yes a lot early on, so that you put yourself in a position to work on what's interesting to you long-term and that ties in with the the experience thing. You don't have to have the experience to... (laughs) to say yes to it you can just dive in right like i felt so unqualified for the full-time role i got at outreach so unqualified i was so surprised (laughs) and i guess to add to to add to that is a similar path as what sam was talking about i think maybe the piece of advice i would say is don't underestimate the value of your network and the value of putting time and effort into building your network every week like spend time on that (laughs) um because that's like I said, I felt unqualified. It was the network effect that even got my foot in the door at outreach. And then the work experience with Sam brought us here. And then the network had built has helped us build our team. Like just spending time on your network. And I don't mean that as a personal brand bro guru, like go out and post daily on LinkedIn. It, there's lots of ways that it can look like you can be Slack communities. It can be one-on-one calls. It can be reaching out to people internally at your company to learn from them. Even if they're not, you know, in your direct department, just spend time fostering those relationships, and that you'll learn a ton. Opportunities will open up for you, and you'll
0: have lots of opportunities to give back. Going into that theme of like networking and stuff like that, what is uh, the best that marketing advice you ever received from a mentor or a peer that you keep going back to?
1: In my mind, we had a fantastic boss at outreach is um, still there colin shout out to colin he's not exactly the advice giving type in a good way he just like lives out the type of management that you'd want so it was less a piece of advice and more just his approach to management was so intentional he would take time to understand where we're coming from he would listen and then think through it and then either respond or ask questions he was never rushed. And I think marketers can often be rushed. Like, we got to get this over. We got to do this. Like, when are we doing this? And it never felt rushed. It always felt intentional. So I just think I learned a lot from his management style.
2: I think I learned a lot from, I benefited a lot from that just because there was also follow through. Like, we can carve out an hour or two this Friday to learn Google Analytics, like, <laughs> and then teach teaching me like how to do things that I can imagine in other roles or like at other companies that might not even be in the question to get that kind of like hands-on coaching. And I just remember like, you know, every newsletter I wrote, there was a response back, like, here's how it could be improved. (laughs) And that was always very helpful to also have modeled like what feedback like that looks like
0: have you taken that to how you work with clients or how you manage your day to day in the agency right now? Like, how do you the way you give feedback to clients is kind of emulate how Colin did it? I hope, so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a question for the team. So, less to clients,
1: just because it's a different kind of relationship, um, but it does help to kind of take that intentional. Let's take a step back. Is this realistic? What do we need that helps with clients? But with the team, I, I hope so. I don't think I can honestly answer that question, but I try to, in the way we give feedback, like give the context, give room to them to respond and give their context and then get pretty specific. Like I loved your addition, Sam about the follow through.
0: The last thing I have for you too, is where could people find you two online? or offline and mm-hmm. anything you want to talk about right now the stage is yours offline if you want to come down to Antigua or Guatemala
1: we work out of <laughs> El Cubo Center a co-working space here so you're more than welcome <laughs> uh, other than that we're both on LinkedIn so feel free to find us there and then the site is beamcontent.co what are some things you specialize on so people know and we focus. Mostly long-form content that starts with conversations, meaning essentially SME interviews, whether that's internal or your partners or your customers or folks in uh, your larger network. And then to Sam's earlier point, taking that those long-form assets and figuring out the best way to not promote them on social, because the idea is not to promote and point back, it's to repurpose and start those conversations and close that loop conversational loop on social
0: well this has been awesome thank you for joining and thank you for giving your insights on your many paths of marketing content marketing appreciate it yeah we do too thanks for asking us good to see you again daniel you too thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.